0: But I'm really grateful to see you today. I want you to locate in your Bibles Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. There we go, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And uh, while you're locating that, again, you know this is our final service for this year. Next Sunday, it's at 10 o'clock now. We're actually... we're it's it's a little different than a regular service we're calling it the city life christmas special next sunday and uh, i am most of us, we're going to be online chatting with one another, so I look forward to seeing you in the chat uh, there, uh, e- either on Facebook, YouTube, the website, or the City Life app. Also, then on January 1st, they already mentioned this, but it's going to be a really special, kind of an intimate type of a service as we're going to have New Year's Day communion, and, and the room will be set up a little bit different, and we're going to have a time where Rebecca and I, we're going to be praying for every individual, every family as well, so it'll be a really special day of, uh, of of New Year's Day communion and a New Year's Day message. So I look forward to seeing y'all next time, two weeks from today. So, uh, so. How many of you noticed the little storm that happened this last week, or it happened on Tuesday, Tuesday morning? All of a sudden, I woke up in the morning and said, "There's a tornado watch." I'm like, "Nah, <laughs> oh, but yeah, this is Texas, and you know that those things happen." And so we went through the whole, the whole tornado thing and, and watching and everything, and then and then eventually we'll put this up. Oh, it's already up there, uh, but. Let me explain it to you here, real quick. It, as, as soon as I arrived at the office, the the, the rain and the storms were, were already finishing up. So it was about nine o'clock or so, and I, I waited to come in just a little bit so I wouldn't get scared. And uh, and, and I found a tumbleweed. Right in front of our building. Now, if any of y'all have been out west or you've been out to West Texas, you know the tumbleweeds are just a normal thing. But you don't get tumbleweeds around here. They like don't exist. And I posted this, and like my West Texas friends were all freaking out, So, "Yeah, that's that's a real authentic tumbleweed." I said, "Yeah, and we don't have those in Texas, in North Texas, so." Where that tumbleweed came from, I don't know. I mean, my sister-in-law was saying, well, God bless you. We just gave you one from our house. <laughs> but, but how in the world did tumbleweeds get over here into downtown during that storm? That's just weird. But that was my, that was my major weird moment at, that, that I experienced on Sunday morning, so, I, so on Tuesday morning. So I left it there, and of course, within two or three hours, our good old city crews had the had it gone. I I'd normally pick stuff up and throw it in the trash, but it was just too much fun. I couldn't I couldn't do that. I just had to actually leave it there. Well, the uh, the title for today's message is is uh, is another part of my series on the King who changes everything, and my message title is the Child King. Now the the children just sang it a little bit ago. Born is the King, and and Jesus was a King from the very moment of his birth and throughout. Uh, Throughout Christian history, there have been a lot of ways to refer to, to him, such as the Christ child, the divine infant, uh, the baby Jesus, which is one that we use quite a bit, infant Jesus, the, div- the divine child, the divine infant, uh, Christ, uh, see, child Jesus, the holy child, Santa Nino, and Señor, Señor Naomi, and there are just a lot of really interesting names for Jesus as a child. But... Jesus has been revered as the child king really for some 2,000 years now. Now, in the Middle Ages and medieval times, when they didn't people didn't have Bibles to read, they, they would create these a lot of art. In fact, if you go over to Europe and, and you spend some time over there, or even there's some places here in the U.S. where you can see a lot of medieval art, it is predominantly Christian. That's how they told the Christian story, because people didn't have Bibles they could read. In fact, they didn't Believe that it was uh, that it was the right thing to do to have a Bible in the person's language that they actually spoke. So the Bibles were in Latin. People didn't speak Latin, so they didn't know it's whatever the preacher said. It said, "Well, that." that so they kind of learned that way. But it's interesting because during the medieval times, the, the, during those ages, during those years, there were a lot of images of Jesus, personifications of Jesus that, to tell the story of him that, that just are, they don't quite match up. And, and I just have to show you a couple of these that, that I found for you. This first one is, is, let's just take a look at this first one here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's little baby Jesus. Um, and, and it's like, wait, what, 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 what? And let's zoom in a little bit closer here. You got to take a look at him. Yeah. Uh, Okay, whoa, look at what he's wearing. He's got some, like, really cool clothes on, rosy cheeks, and... that's quite the crown. It's interesting that he has a cross on his crown, and he doesn't even, hes not even been crucified yet. But but this is how people would have would have imagined it. But they put these in these cathedrals, and people would come, and they would see the child king, especially around Christmas, and saying, "Yeah, that's my Lord." And then here, I got to show you one other one. And th- this is another one. The, and the the image on this is is a little more grainy, but yeah, that's it. That's like. Like, what dude is gonna wear clothes like that? I don't know, but but obviously at that time kings wore clothes like that, and uh, thank God they don't they don't anymore. Really, a little too puffy and too fluffy for me and and, but then again you just have to zoom in because that crown is big so it might be a little bit pixelated here but yeah a little bit blurry but that is one stankin big crown it seems like the baby jesus would have a sore head or a sore neck after uh after that that uh that deal but but i want us to get a little bit of a better picture of what happened so look in your bibles in matthew chapter two verse one says right here in the New International Version, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east. Now, I'll just stop with that word Magi real quick. Just some people call them the wise men. Some people call them the kings. These were actually astronomers that were people of, of wealth also that were from the current area of Iraq. And so those people had come over uh, into, this, uh, into this area. So, so Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born? King of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now jump down to verse 9 in your Bibles. Matthew 2, verse 9. King talks to him and everything. And after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. And so this is not... The, the manger scene. It was not in the little stable at this point. This is days later, obviously, when they were finally able to get a place to stay to, while they were there in Bethlehem. Because that wasn't where they lived. It says, uh, It stopped at the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw chi- the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, this is a beautiful story of the Christ child, the, the child king being honored. And, and he's literally already being worshipped just days after his birth. And, uh, and I can just imagine what that scene would have looked like. I mean, I want you just to, to imagine little Jesus right there on his mother's lap on his mother's knee, and he's 100% God, yet he's also 100% human. He's a real person. His flesh is vulnerable to the troubles of, of, of this life, the troubles that we've experienced, the afflictions and the, and the challenges of the world. And this child is is tender, and his face is reflecting the emotions of his mother that are happening during that moment. And then the Magi, they come to the house where he's staying there in Bethlehem, and and, and they knock. And and in my imagination, Mary's not going to run and go and answer the door. I mean, she's got the baby and all that. And so they just slightly open the door, and they they walk in, and and Mary gives them a nod and says, okay, it's nice to come in. The the house wouldn't have looked like any of y'all's houses. It was probably... Where they were staying it was just a little one-bedroom place. So there she was, right there in the foyer, which was the living room, which was the bedroom, which was everything. And and there they were, and uh, and this baby boy just gazes at the magi as they enter the house, and and his little eyes are mesmerized by the. Uh, the, the splendor of their attire and, and, and just their stature, the way they carry themselves. And, and even at, at this young age, the, the, the baby is, is, is recognizing these people don't look like the people that I've been around the last few days. And, and the Bible doesn't tell us how many there were I, I know there's a cool song it says we three kings of orient are now there's not they weren't kings, and there there's nothing in the Bible that says there were three. I know in every you you would probably even have the little nativity sets at home, and you have three wise men okay there were there's nothing that says there were three there could have been two, there might have been 20. we Don't know, but we do know that they brought three different types of gifts: gifts of gold, gifts of of uh, of frankincense, and gifts of myrrh. But it was a beautiful setting, and I'm telling you, the child king did not look like what we just saw on the screens. He didn't have a royal robe; there was nothing fluffy or puffy about it. He didn't have a crown on his head. I mean, can you imagine how ridiculous that is? There was no crown on his head. He was just a simple child that was born into an economically strained household. One of my favorite Christmas songs is The First Noel. Y'all like that song? I've always loved that one, The First Noel. I'm not going to sing it for you. There are actually seven verses to The First Noel. So we're going to sing all those verses together right now. Now, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not going to. But I, I do want to read some of them to you because I, I find this a very interesting Christmas carol. Now, what does Noel mean? Well, Noel, we, we basically refer to it as, it means Christmas, but but here's what it originally meant. It meant a joyful shout of exhilaration at the birth of the king. So when this this song was being sung, they're knowing that this is a joyful shout. It's kind of like what the kids were singing earlier, shout about it's Christmas. This is really what it was. Now, now, I've studied this song, and the roots of this particular song go back to the 1500s in France, and uh, and this was not a normal uh, Christmas Carol. It was really a lower class uh, ballad about Christmas. It was it was there's no better way to put it other than this. It was a peasant folk song. Uh, it was composed, the, the people who have looked at the original language, they said it was obviously composed by someone who did not have a good handle on language at all. Someone just put words together, and that's, that's what ended up there. So therefore, because it was not a, not proper music, very likely this song was never sung during its early years. In the first three 400 years that it was around, it was not sung in churches at all because it didn't match up to the high church standards of that time because uh, it just had a folksy style. It was a song that would have been sung in homes. In fact, I, I didn't even know this until I was studying the song this time, is that the, the children children would often sing this song in a round. And and I, I began singing it in my head, and like, yeah, it would actually work in a three-part round where they all sing it together. So so it really wasn't until about the mid-1800s that churches even began to Dare to sing such a peasant, lower class song in church, but I think it's a pretty good song. and, and uh, you know, considering its uh, raw composition, I think it's a pretty good, realistic statement of the arrival of the child king, because again, it was not written by the high and mighty. It was not written by the wealthy or the people who had a claim already. It was written by the poor. It was written by. Peasants and sung by the peasants. I want you to listen to a few of the stanzas from this, uh, this song. Again, I'm not going to sing them. I'm going to quote them for you. But, but listen to this, how the story develops. It says, and by the light of that same star, three wise men, we know there weren't three, that came from country far to seek for a king. Isn't that beautiful? It was their intent to follow the star wherever it went the star drew nigh to the northwest over Bethlehem it took its rest and there it did not stop and stay and there it did both stop and stay right over the place where Jesus lay then did they know assuredly within that house the king did lie one entered in then for to see and found what a babe in poverty They entered in, then entered in those wise men three, there weren't three, fully reverent upon their knee. And they offered there his presence. Oh, how beautiful. They're gold, they're myrrh and frankincense. And it's interesting because at this point, the composer shifts the story and he begins to emphasize the reason for the arrival of Jesus, which is so beautiful whenever this is tied together in Christmas stories and in Christmas music. It says this, it, it, it really talks about the blood that Jesus Christ shed. It says, then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught with his blood. Mankind hath bought Noel, 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 born as the king of Israel. A peasant song about a child king which gives us peasants victory and it gives us hope and I think that song is perfect for us see King Jesus was different from other kings uh, he, he, he actually did the opposite of normal kings. In fact, some of you boys and girls who are in here, you, you know that, that there's the opposite. You can play the opposite game. What's the opposite of this and that? You know, what's the opposite of a man? It's a woman. What's the opposite of loud? It's quiet. Well, opposite of man and woman, a lot of the society wouldn't believe that today, but we know what the scriptures say. You know, what, what is the opposite? Some of y'all didn't get that. But what, what is the opposite you know, of, of various things? What is the opposite of cold? Well, it's hot. Well, this king, King Jesus, was the opposite. Kids, he was the opposite of the others. See, on the day he was born, church, he was immediately a king. Never before has there been anyone who literally arrived on the scene on this earth born immediately was a king. They're only born as a prince at very best. Born as a king. Most kings, they're, they're born in, in a palace or some type of a, of a place where there's some sort of luxury. But this king was born in about the worst place possible, in a stable, which literally would have been a cave surrounded by, by sheep and, and by donkeys and by cattle. And, and it's interesting because very few people even knew about the arrival of this king, this king being born. Only a handful of shepherd and the magi. Those are the only words that had gotten the word that the king was there and was born. You see, typically the arrival of a king is announced. It's announced big, it's announced everywhere, but they couldn't announce it and they didn't announce it and they didn't have YouTube, Facebook, they didn't have Instagram, Snapchat, television, or even Twitter back then. There was no way to get the word out And it wasn't about getting the word out. It was just about the king has arrived and it's a beautiful moment as this uh, child king grew into a man he continued to be different and i want to say very different from other kings and this is what caused him trouble uh, because because most kings they would spend their time collecting riches and jewels and, and, and gold and that's what their that's what their goal was but this king owned nothing at all and his his family was not wealthy the the, the wealth that he actually acquired while he was on this earth was the wealth of Individual souls, individual people that he could take with him into eternity. You know, while, while most kings surround themselves with a bunch of loyal servants who are going to be right there at their beck and call, Jesus instead chose to be a servant. And he would often be found helping other people. In fact, just before he went to the cross, he was found washing his disciples' feet, which was the ultimate symbol of servanthood. You see, as time went on, this opposite king this king jesus who did everything different it caused people to become unhappy with him and 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 it was out at that point that people are saying this is the king of israel and and but he didn't act like a king he didn't look like a king he didn't do the things kings did instead of coming into jerusalem on a big white stallion what did jesus do he came in on the back of a donkey and, the, and the, the, the people that Jesus chose to be friends with, this king, they're, typically a king is going to be friends with some really high-up people. Well, this king would hang out with the poor, with the disenfranchised. He would hang out with the people who had leprosy, and he would eat with sinners. Finally, the people, they were just, they were done with it. Um, they had put up with this king long enough. Again, it's because he didn't act the way normal kings should act. In fact, the Jews said, we don't want him to be our king. It doesn't fit into our image. And so they had him arrested and put in jail. And then at his trial, the king of all creation Instead of people shouting, hail to the king, long live the king. No, they shouted something totally opposite. They said, he is not our king. Death to him, kill him, crucify him. And so what they did is they made a crown for him. But they took a crown of of thorns, of big, giant thorns, and they pressed it into his head. And they beat him with a whip. And they, they mocked him. And they nailed King Jesus to a cross to suffer and die. And and that's a terrible way for a king to to die. I mean, he was crucified. It was a Roman form of horrific execution. And, And then on top of it all, he didn't even have a tomb to be buried in. He was buried in a borrowed tomb because he didn't have his own. See, but that isn't the end of the story. See, this king rose In greatness and in majesty to live forever. He is the forever king. And anyone who chooses for him to be their king, they get him. All right? Revelation chapter 22 verse 12 says this. I like this. Because Jesus will return soon. He says, look, I'm coming soon. And my reward is with me. Do you see those lines? My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. See, King Jesus, do you realize this? He is going to reward you when he comes back. That's what the king's going to do. In fact, in eternity, Revelation chapter 19 tells us something that, that Jesus now, after he's ascended, he will wear many crowns, multiple crowns, and I think what's crazy about the crowns is not only is he going to wear multiple crowns, he is going to give us multiple crowns. And we're gonna, he's going to give us all these crowns, and we're going to be so happy and pleased with it, but we're going to say, no, you're the one who deserves the crowns, and we're going to take our crowns and give them back. What an imagery of Jesus. I mean, what, what king gives his subjects crowns? Well, mine does. My king, King Jesus. One of the crowns that we will wear is the crown of life, eternal life, and it's paid for by the king's death. Look at John three sixteen. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, whoever, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We, we, we can't forget Jesus Christ came into this world Because he loves us. He came so that we could have everlasting life. And he is still the king who changes everything. (laughs) And he's going to be giving us crowns. And scriptures also say we're going to rule and reign with him. I want you to get this message right here. King Jesus wants you to win. And he wants you to receive a reward. That's actually his desire. Let me just put it this way. Jesus, King Jesus has no desire for you to be a loser, all right? See, there are no losers in the kingdom of God. You might say, but I've gone through a lot in this life. Yeah, Jesus did too, but that doesn't make you a loser. No, a loser is a person who misses out on eternity because that's the big loss, and God didn't bring you into this world to just to watch you lose and so the angels in heaven and him could be looking at him and going, oh, look at that dude, yeah. <laughs> Isn't this a great comedy show? I mean, no way, no way. Jesus wants you to have victory in this life and victory for eternity and he wants to give you rewards and crowns in eternity. I mean, I'm going to tell you, Jesus is really, really into rewards. and He wants you to receive these rewards, but the Biggest one is the the gift of salvation. You'll also be receiving awards according to how you lived your life. Can you believe that? I mean, Romans chapter eight verse thirty seven says that we are more than conquerors. Think about that. In this on this in this life, we're more than conquerors. We're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. And I'll, I'll just want to throw this in here: conquerors are not losers. <laughs> I mean, think about this. King Jesus, he gave his life. He gave his life and we get the reward. What an amazing deal. He came into this world as a child king, lived the opposite of other kings. He went to the cross and he gave us, he gave up everything so that we could have a reward. He died for our sins and he rose from the grave. (sighs) He did what no one had ever done before and could never do again. And Jesus is the king who changes everything. For everyone who desires it and receives it. And that's the critical point. So no matter where you are in your life, whether you're young or whether you're the oldest granny in the house or grandpa, (laughs) and we're not going to do an age game to find out who wins that contest. That's, that's That's a different time. You know, no matter where you are in your life, it's never too late to fully engage the power of God and to prepare for the rewards that God will be giving you. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. I remember learning this scripture when I was a child, like the children who were up here earlier. It says, the wages of sin is death. That means the paycheck. You're going to get paid for what you do in this life. It's going to be a good payment or a bad payment. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Do you see that, the gift of God? Put that up on the screens. Let's take a look at that scripture. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And God not only wants to bring you salvation, but he wants to heal your body. He wants to set you free from emotional distress and pain. He wants to free you from addictions, from wounds that other people have brought your way. People have wounded you. Some of you are hurt. Some of you feel like you're bleeding because of the wounds other people have caused. God, God wants to heal that. Jesus is the Lord who wants to comfort loneliness. He wants to restore to you what others have taken from you. He wants you to be more than a conqueror. He wants to bring you companionship, and he wants to offer you mercy and grace. He wants to bring you provision when everything looks bleak, and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And he wants to take you to live with him forever, and he wants to shower you with rewards and gifts and, yes, crowns. You see, our lowly peasant position will be transformed just like Jesus' position was transformed, just like the peasants used to sing in that song, The First Noel. It's really quite beautiful. As a wrap up today, you know, you, you may not have everything you want for Christmas, you may not get every gift you desire for Christmas, but you have Jesus who is preparing crowns and rewards for you. He is preparing a place for you to live with Him forever, my friend. And the greatest gift of all is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And before we go into a moment of communion, I want to make sure that everyone in here who has already been bought by the blood has accepted the free gift of salvation. Because as we receive communion in just a moment, the Scripture says that we need to prepare our hearts we need to examine ourselves would you do that with me right now I want you to examine yourself and if if you're not serving the Lord if you're not if you're not saved then I want you to be I want you to receive the free gift of salvation that's the most amazing gift there is eternal life (laughs) nothing better than that eternal life in a perfect body beautiful that will be. See, at City Life, we practice open communion, which means you don't have to be a part of this church to receive communion, but you do need to be a part of the family of God. If you're ready to receive communion this morning and want to give your life to Jesus first, I'm going to ask you at the count of three just to lift your hands. So please, everyone praying, everyone looking around right now. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, when I count to three, just lift your hand up. That way I can see your hand. I want to connect my faith with yours so we can pray together. And you can receive communion, and you can also participate in all the things God has for you. Is that you? You need Jesus today. Lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift it up so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Who else? Put your hands down if you've already lifted. Who else? Who else? I need Jesus today to receive you. Beautiful. Also, before we go any further, if there's any unconfessed sin in your life, would you just give it to the Lord? I don't know what it is. Theft. Abuse. Self-harm. Hatred. Just take a second and confess it to the Lord. Just say, God, forgive me. Wash me. I confess my sins before you. I want to be free from sin. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. The ushers are preparing now to serve communion. And as they serve communion, I want us to very quietly and reverently Receive these elements now. When they come to you, just hold your elements until every single person has been served. Will you do that? So we're all going to partake together in just a moment. But they're they're passing out two different types of communion. One is the pre-sealed, if that's what you prefer. Unseal it and do that. If you like the more standard version, just take the two cups that are placed together. There are two cups take both cups out. In one cup is the bread, another cup is the juice, representing the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus. You see, what we're about to do is we're about to fulfill Jesus' final commandment before he left this earth. See, just before Jesus left this earth, I mean, just before Jesus uh, was crucified, he gave this command to his disciples which follows along to us. And it is to do these communion elements regularly. And we do this so that we will testify or, or actually, it's almost like an object lesson to remind us of what the power of God is and what Jesus did for us. You see, because if we only celebrate the fact that Jesus arrived as a baby, we miss it. We miss it all because he only came as a baby so that he could die, so that his sin so so that our sin could be uh, washed away by his blood. That's the purpose, and that's the reason for these elements. If there's anybody who is yet to be served, just lift your hands so that we can, because I don't want anybody to be left out. All right, thank you. Will you please take these elements now, and please take these elements now, and I want you to, to receive them and stand with me. Let's take the bread, the body of Christ. take the bread the body of christ and will you just lift it in thanks to him just as jesus would lift the bread when he broke it and give thanks let us lift the bread which represents his body lord we lift up this element the bread the body of christ and we say thank you jesus thank you jesus for your body thank you jesus thank you jesus God, as we take this element, Lord, we are praying and we are believing for healing, for life, and for power to flow into our bodies. We thank you, God, that by your stripes, by your scourgings, we were healed. We take this in remembrance of you as we are more than conquerors on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the body of Christ. Take the blood. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your precious blood, your blood that was shed for us. We lift this cup, Lord, in remembrance of you. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your precious, wonderful blood. We take this now in remembrance of you. Thank you for giving it to us. Thank you for sins forgiven. Thank you for eternity, and thank you for the power that's in this blood to protect us from evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake the blood of Jesus. Will you right now, in just your own way, will you just begin to thank the Lord? Come on, just say your own words of praise to God. Maybe you're not accustomed to doing that, but just whisper your own words of worship and praise to God. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for all you've done for me. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your power. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. In Jesus, name. In Jesus name. God, I pray that the blessing of God will rest upon our homes and our families our apartments, on our vehicles, places we go, things we do. Lord, I especially pray for those who may feel disconnected or might be even physically disconnected from family or from others during this Christmas season. I pray for extraordinary grace and comfort. Lord, I remember the days when I was in college and couldn't go home for Christmas and had to work my job and the campus emptied out and I felt so alone and felt so by myself. But God, you would wrap your arms of love around me and I thank you for that and I'm just thanking you for that for all of my friends, for all the people who are part of this church and everybody who's watching online that you comfort, you strengthen and encourage those who might be experiencing loneliness during this season. And second, Lord, I I also pray for those who have experienced loss, loss of a family member. during this Christmas time, I know that memories come back. And uh, there, there could be a lot of pain involved in that. So I thank you, God, for healing from that pain. I thank you, Lord, that you are even right now just soothing the pain of people's hearts and lives. And I pray that in our homes, our homes will be full of laughter. Our homes will be full of the songs of the Lord and the carols. And our homes will be full of the goodness and the life of God. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. amen." Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.